Watershed Voice, community-supported journalism. Today, Doug and I are joined by City Commission candidate at large, specifically, uh, Tory Brown. He also is a um, frequent contributor to Watershed Voice as a columnist um, and a poet. Tory, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Tory is a write-in candidate, and he will be facing off with fellow write-in candidate Lucas Allen, for the at-large city commission seat, well, one of two at-large city commission seats, uh, Clayton Lazinski, who is the incumbent, is not running for re-election. So, Tori, let's just start off with the very <clears throat> simple question. Why did you decide to run for city commission? Well, I've been considering getting into local politics for a while. Um, I just didn't know how to get my foot in the door. And this opportunity came up and I just basically, it was time. It was time for me to have my seat at the table. So when you say seat at the table, um, what specifically are you looking to accomplish if you get that seat? I'm not quite sure if I'm going to answer your question for what you're asking, but I'm going to answer it for what I understand it to be. Um, What I'm looking at is every city has people who make decisions about what goes on in that city. And I feel that there's people like me that do not get fair representation in this city. So that's what I mean by seeing at the table. There isn't enough representation of people my, with the like minds of myself. Okay, so not just as um, a black person, but also um, income bracket, um, you know, maybe, maybe more progressive, would you say, ideals? Um, you don't think those things are represented enough on the city commission? That and more. That and more. Um, The way that I see it, the way that I look at it is, one, no, there isn't much black representation. There isn't much minority representation, and there hasn't been much minority representation on the commission board. Now, with that being said, it's... When when you don't have representation as much as people try, they don't know what's going on in your community. So when you don't have people who are in your community, talk to the people in your community, talk to the people who you talk to, then the people who you talk to does not have a voice. 
Absolutely. So I know for a fact that you have um, been a community organizer, an activist uh, prior to this. We've talked previously, you and I, about um, there was a walkout in your high school as a kid. Um, Could you go into that? Well, um, 1994, 95, I guess the 1994 elections, there on the ballot was for the new high school. I graduated from Three Rivers in 1995. So if that ballot passed, the only time that I would step foot in that high school would be after graduation. But I understood how important it was for a new high school because, one, I had younger cousins, younger siblings at the school currently. And I knew the condition that the school was in at the time, it was only going to deteriorate even more. And I knew that something needed to be done. So me and a couple of my other classmates it was two two seniors and a junior. We organized a walkout at 11 o'clock to get basically the, um, to get it put back on the, um, to get the bond to go through again, or at least to get another vote on the bond. Okay. And so 11 a.m., all the students of the high school just got up and walked out of class. And it worked, right? Yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it worked. What happened was what news three came down. Um, the commercial was there. There was a lot of press about it. The middle school students walked out, came over to the high school, and we were very organized. We stayed in front of the high school and we just held up signs that said honk for a new school. Now, the principal at the time, I believe it was Sherman Thurkow, he called us three back into school. We had a sit down meeting and we negotiated a, I guess, a return back to school. And it was decided that what we wanted was the people in the community who voted against it to come into the school, see the condition of the school, so they can understand why we we basically we needed a new school. Because most of the people who voted no on the bond hadn't stepped foot in the school in over 20 years. And a lot of things had changed since then. Their thought process was, if it was good enough for me, it's good enough for them. And that's not progress. That doesn't do anything beneficial for the school. Well, the condition of the school obviously is going to be drastically different um, after all that time. And I can imagine... um, I know that recently uh, Three Rivers High School and Middle School have been getting renovations as well because the same issue has come up. Um, so it's it's important to 
continue um, to fight for progress. And that does not mean um, a lot of people when they hear progress, they think progressive, they think um, liberal, Democrat, what have you. But progress is about doing what's best for everybody involved um, and doing it in a way that improves the quality of life for whether it's high school students, faculty, um, you know, et cetera. Another, another thing that you were instrumental in was the um, – after George Floyd and um, a few other very highly publicized deaths of black Americans, um, you organized a protest in the summer of 2020 downtown. Um, you were able to get, um, I believe, a permit from the city to, you know – form a a protest of sorts and it was well attended um you spoke your your wife andrea spoke um and i spoke even and there were a few others uh i believe was it your brother yes yes and courtney uh more so his daughter um, and a frequent, um, Courtney's a frequent, uh, contributor to Watershed Voice as well. So why did you feel that Three Rivers needed that? Obviously there were protests going around, like around the country. Why specifically did you think that Three Rivers needed this? In my opinion, I felt that America needed it. So it wasn't a Three Rivers thing. It was an America thing. It was a thing to where I was, at that point, I was fed up. To be brutally honest, I was fed up with seeing over and over and over again people who look like me being basically murdered with no repercussions. And it just, it just wasn't okay with me. And I didn't feel like I could sit on my hands anymore. My thought process behind it was, this has to stop. And to what you said earlier, we did not get a permit for that. We applied for a permit. It was denied. Now, We decided to have it anyway because the local sheriff and the police chief both agreed to speak at it. So we it was more of a courtesy thing because you don't need a permit to have a protest. A permit is not required to protest. We were doing a courtesy to let them know hey, we're doing this, we plan on being peaceful, just so you know this is what's going on. This is where it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. We were denied the permit, but at that point, like I said, I felt felt like our voices needed to be heard. Now, the way that it all came about, 
I was sitting at home. My daughter was sitting on my lap. And I was reading. I was reading more and more about George Floyd. And then Breonna Taylor happened. And it was just it was just too much. I'm sitting there with my daughter on my lap and I see this and I I don't want to leave this world the same way that I inherited it. And to me, that's what progressive means. Just because it's something that was okay during my day does not mean that it's something that's okay today. If you're not moving forward, then you're basically going in reverse to me. So previously when we spoke, and guys, if you're listening at this point, you'll notice that I was speaking to Doug at the beginning. Um, He's having some technical difficulties. So it looks like it's just going to be Tori and I from this point on. Um, But we won't let that stop us. So when I interviewed you initially, when you made your announcement, you said that there was an extreme lack of activities available outside of school for um, kids, whether that, whether that be teenagers, middle schoolers, what have you. Um, and I have made the same argument. Uh, I was very pleased, as were you, when um, the city commission decided to uh, make the little – half court court basketball court uh and memory aisle into a full court uh we were both satisfied with that the quality of that equipment the quality of um activities recreational activities that don't cost anything um are lacking in this community um obviously the sports complex is a great thing it brings in a lot of people um you know it's a great place for folks who can afford to pay the league fees and what have you, whatever that may be. Um, But for folks like how I grew up, I'm not sure how you grew up, but when I grew up, um, my parents didn't have the money to allow me to join a league or anything like that until I was a freshman in high school. And then I was able to pay for the physical and some other stuff. And I think that was like 75 bucks. And my parents could not foot that bill on a regular basis. You know, it was paycheck to paycheck. So you said that there is a, there is a solution to um, this, which is you would like to see a rec center somewhere in this community. Yes. Yes. Um, Somewhere centrally located close to downtown, if not in downtown, um, it would be amazing because where the basketball courts out are now, that is somewhat of a compromise. That's the way that I see it. When I was here through high school, during the summer, we were at Skidmore Park from sunup to sundown. There was two courts up there, and they were both full all day. And we would walk across the street to, at the time, it was called Rocky River Cafe. And we would stop there, basically like a halftime, go get something to drink, get some ice cream, 
And then we'd walk back and we'd just continue playing. And it was all day. We also had the skating rink, which I think it was two years ago it closed. But I got word that it's going to be reopening soon. So that is also another benefit for the community to have that reopening. Um, we just we just were out. We didn't spend time in our house all day because there were activities for us to do. Now it's like there's constant complaining about kids these days. They're just on their phone. They're on technology. But what are we giving them to do outside of that? We're not giving them anything. All they have to all they have is their technology. If they want to do something, they have to go to Sturgis, Kalamazoo, Elkhart. There's nothing local for them to do. So if we can get something, maybe a rec center where they can go and play foosball, play pool, get tutors, help them with their homework, just like a look a mini game room, anything just something so that they can be together and we don't have to worry about them being on the streets because there's nothing positive that can come from you spending 18 hours a day outside on the streets with no type of recreational anything to do. Well, and this would not be a two or $3 million project. You could, you could establish this in an, in an existing building Yes. Um, within the city and make it centrally located so it isn't out in, um, you know, Lockport Township or what have you. Um, right. So the idea of accessibility, not only from just a like geographical standpoint, um, but also from a money standpoint. And, you know, obviously there would be hurdles to, you know, leap over as far as like staffing and stuff like that. But we have plenty of volunteer driven organizations within this community. And I have to believe that we would get enough folks to staff that. And you could actually establish a nonprofit and pay a couple people. Yeah, the, so, state, the state always has grants. There's always grants at the state level that can trickle down to the city level to have that stuff and pay for that stuff. In 2000, when I came home from college, I worked at Husk Community Learning Center, and they were funded by the 21st Century Grant Program, and I did that for three years. It's not something that necessarily has to come out of the taxpayers' pockets. It's just something for the kids. And if it does come out of the taxpayer pockets, it would be minimal, I would assume. And I would be more than willing to have my property tax go up $10 a year to make sure that kids aren't out on the streets doing drugs and worse. So other than the recreation and other than representation, what are some issues concerning the city commission and just the city of three rivers in general that you're passionate about? Um, Obviously you have a number of reasons why you're going to run. um, But what are some things that you'd like to see change in the city and maybe, maybe with the city commission, if anything. Um, With the city commission, I would like to be 
more transparent. I would like to be open with what's going on and not have everything be surprised. There's no reason for a shock value when you're doing something positive for the city. Everything that the commission does needs to be out there. The people need to know. There, there shouldn't be a surprise. You know, before before I got involved in this, I had no clue how to figure out what was happening during the city commissioner meetings. It's not being published. It's not being out there. And I think that needs to change. I think people have a right to know what's going on in their city. I think that a city commissioner is a public servant, and we're here to do what's best for our community. And how can we do what's best for our community if the community don't know what that we're meeting? Absolutely. Or what, or, or what we're meeting about. So this last this last city commission meeting, and I'll have a story. Actually, when you're listening to this, it will be published on the site um, on Friday. Uh, we're recording this Thursday, October 21st. Um, and But the previous commission meeting this past Tuesday, they discussed um, at length the idea of a hybrid meeting. Um, it was something that they talked about previously, but it basically went on the shelf. And then uh, my wife and um, Watershed Voice columnist as well, Deborah Hockfrost, got up um, another meeting ago and said that she would like them to reconsider going to a hybrid model where, yes, they will have a meeting in person, but they can also broadcast it. Um, and there was some argument about how much that would cost and what it would take. And um, we were both very um, direct with the commission and said, it won't take much. I mean, we're like the easiest way to do it is just to get a tripod and a cell phone and do a Facebook live video. Like it is not that difficult. It doesn't cost tens of thousands of dollars. And basically they talked about the various options at this last meeting, potentially going to move forward with that. I hope to see that as well. Um, and if they decide not to do that, then I guess watershed voice will have to be the, the team to do that. Uh, we can do that as well, but I would love to see it from the city commission because, again, like you said, that shows that they're trying to be transparent, that they want it all out in the open, and that they want more folks to, you know, communicate and deal with and talk to uh, the city commission. Like citizens and the city commission should have a stronger relationship. I go to these meetings like all the time. And you do too. And you see how many people are there. Unless it's like a big hot button issue, folks aren't there from week to week. So they depend on our reporting, which is great. But also, you know, there's only so much you can say in a thousand words. You don't get to cover an hour, hour and a half of that meeting. So I'm completely with you. Another thing that you and I have discussed in the past is, you know, putting public notices on the website, on Facebook to let people know, hey, this is coming up. Posting the agenda, um, which is on the website, but you have to do quite a few clicks to get to it. If they post that on their Facebook, on their social media, that is huge, right? Because that tells folks, hey, here's what we're going to discuss. And not posting it at the last minute, like an hour before, like at least do the day before. 
like right. Monday. Here we go. So yeah, I'm completely with you. And I think that that's vitally important. I think you were going to say something in addition to the transparency, um, maybe not with the city commission, but with the city as a whole. Well, a little bit with both. Okay. Um, there's people that don't even know who their commissioner is that represents them. I can tell you that the majority of the people that I know, whether they live in first, second, third, or fourth ward, do not know who their representative is. They do not know who to contact if something's going on in in their ward. And they do not know the difference between an at-large commissioner and a ward commissioner. If the only person that you know is in the third ward and you live in the second ward, that third ward person can't say something in your defense, but that person that person doesn't represent your ward. No, they're not as familiar or they I mean, let's be honest. Every commissioner who represents whatever ward they're in, they have to live in that ward in order right. to represent it. So they live there. They know what the issues are, hopefully. That's the thing, too. I think I don't know how comfortable people are approaching their city commissioner. I know that they're they're comfortable approaching Tom Lowry because he's right downtown. You know exactly where to find him. Right. And he will he will talk to you like Lowry's books. You walk in there. He's there and he's not at his Sturgis store or somewhere else. He right. will speak to you. And I think that's huge. I think feeling that warmth and that trust and that comfortability with your city commissioner should be a goal for every city commissioner. Um, And that's not to say that, you know, all the folks up there aren't trying their best to do that. I would, and you're saying you would like to see it be even better than it currently is. Yes. Yes. I mean, because yes, somebody can Google, Three River City Commissioners. And you would have to search to figure out where it's at because it'll just take you to the city clerk. I did it today just to see how it will go. You hit Google, it'll take you to the city clerk, and then you'll have to scroll all the way down to the bottom and you'll have to know which hyperlink to pick to figure out who it is. And then once you get who it is, there's you you don't know if you don't know that you live in the first ward, you don't know which one is yours. You know, you would have to go through a lot. City commissioners need to be involved in their committee. I mean, in their community. Mm-hmm. There's no way that people in your ward should not know who you are. I believe the onus is on a city commissioner to get out there and introduce themselves go to whatever events in your in your ward and if there are no events in your ward host an event in your ward you should get out there you should talk to your people how are you going to know what your people need if you're not out there asking communicating talking that's that's just the way that i see it so Ultimately, folks are going to have to go um, 
to the polls on Tuesday, November 2nd. And there's going to be a blank. There's going to be a blank spot there on the ballot under at large city commissioner. Yes. There are two write-in candidates. Yes. Um, So they should probably know how to spell Tory, right? Yes. Yes. Tory is spelled T-O-R-R-E-Y. And Brown. Last last name is Brown, just like the color. Yeah. But the most important part is T-O-R-R-E-Y. Not Corey, not T-O-R-I. It's T-O-R-R-E-Y. And I mean, you probably could have played baseball like Tory Hunter, but, um, you know, you're just T-O-R-R-E-Y. So that's fair. You did, you did play college football, which is pretty cool at Saginaw Valley State. So just, just know this, the man played tight end on D2 college level and if he, if anybody tries to mess with you, you just give him a call and Corey yeah. will take care of it. All right. Now, one thing that, <laughs> one thing that I am very proud about and one thing that I now get to represent this community with for the rest of eternity, I guess I can say, is I've recently been inducted into the Three Rivers Hall of Fame for my sports, playing football, basketball, and track all four years for Three Rivers High School. So I will be inducted February 18th in between a boys and girls basketball game. It's a huge honor. This is one of the biggest classes that they've had in a while. There's going to be 11 people inducted. It's an amazing class. I'm very proud of everybody that I'll be standing next to. And it's an honor to be inducted. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned it because I almost forgot to. Um, (laughs) What folks should know is that we were supposed to uh, record a few days ago and we had some technical difficulties. And obviously today, Doug had some technical difficulties. So I'm so glad we got to have this conversation we do not endorse candidates on Watershed Voice, um, and we are not endorsing Tory Brown. Um, I just want to mention we we did try to interview Tory's opponent, and he we had an interview set up, and he had to cancel for personal reasons. So we will not have an episode with him. But that isn't to say that we're trying to give anyone an advantage. We asked Tory the same thing, and he said, "Absolutely, we'll come on." So, uh, again, Tory Brown running for at-large city commissioner, uh, City of Three Rivers, and it's T-O-R-R-E-Y Brown, B-R-O-W-N. So, Tory, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm sure that you were really looking forward to talking to Doug, but, you know, things happen. So, again, Tory, thank you, and good luck. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having this platform, giving me a chance to speak. And um, I'm looking, I'm pretty excited. I'm looking forward to see how this race ends. All right. Stay safe.
voice will echo me no fall Ruled by the laws above Nature shows me, makes me tall I 